And if you will plug into what God is doing here, that's exactly what will happen in your life. Now, today's a special day because we are kicking off a new season at our church. And uh, some of you aren't sure if you should clap for that because you're like, I don't even know what you mean by season. Um, but I'll explain it to you. Just like leaves change colors and flowers bloom, just like there's days that get shorter, daylight gets shorter and daylight gets longer. Well, we go through seasons naturally. We also go through seasons spiritually. We go through seasons in our walk with God. And whenever you see that wall out there change, you know that we're in a new season at our church. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says this. It says, to everything there is a, what's the word? Season. There's a season to everything. What is a season? It's a time for every purpose under heaven. So what that means is that there are intentional times where we should focus our energy, intentional times where we need to focus our efforts. And then there's times where we should rest from that. And the reason this is so important that I teach on this is because if you don't learn to seize the strength of the season that you're in, you will miss the opportunity that God has for you in that season. So every so often, three times throughout the year, we take some time to put together a resource with where we're moving as a church, the season that we're in. And you can download this resource, it's digital. And on here, I think they'll put the QR code up. On here, there's some scriptures for you that you can uh, confess over your life. There's some questions that you can reflect on during the season. There's some decisions that you can respond to during this season. There's a, some confessions and declarations. There's some prayers you can pray. All this put together so that we can be moving in the same direction. Here's why this matters. Because when we're intentional in the season that we're in, our relationships thrive and we sharpen our spiritual edge. How many of you want your relationships to thrive? Yeah, some of you. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of don't like people that much. How many want to grow spiritually, sharpen your spiritual edge? Yeah, so, so if we want that to happen, we gotta be intentional about the season that we're in. And that's what I wanna do today. I wanna set up this season that we're stepping into. And my prayer is that, as you leave here, that this wouldn't just be a message that you hear, this wouldn't just be a sermon for your Sunday, but that it would actually be a paradigm shift for how you live these next four months. And to set this up, I want us to look together at a passage in Ephesians chapter three. This is not just a passage, it's a prayer. And one thing you need to know, we had our prayer team up here, but one thing you need to know is if this is your church, if I'm your pastor, regardless of your involvement, and maybe just today you're deciding this is my church, you need to know that I pray for you every week. There's not a week that goes by that I don't pray for you. Every time a connection card is filled out, I look at those, I pray over them specifically. If I have your number, I'm gonna text you that I'm praying for you. And one of the things I pray for you every week when I'm praying for you is I pray this prayer. It's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And it's a great prayer because it is a prayer of progress and growth. Like if you wanna grow in your life, if you wanna make some progress, you wanna move forward, this is a prayer that you wanna know. In fact, this prayer is in that season guide that I told you to download. 
Let's look at it together. Ephesians 3, verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. There's power when you come together. It's not just for yourself. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly or immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Sound guys, I'm getting just a little feedback. If you can EQ my mic down, please, that'd be great. I love this prayer. It's a prayer that, which just pro tip, by the way, whenever you encounter a prayer in scripture, like the Bible talks about prayer, but then there's prayers in scripture. Whenever you encounter a prayer in scripture, you need to write that down. You need to circle it, highlight it, underscore it, because it's a prayer that you can pray. Like there's more prayers in the Bible than just the Lord's prayer. Lots of times we think about the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. It's really the disciples' prayer, but Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Well, there's other prayers in the Bible. Sometimes we pray Psalm 23. There's other prayers besides that. Th this is one of those prayers. Whenever you find those prayers, you wanna, you, you wanna make sure you make note of them because they're prayers that you can pray for yourself. Like this is a great prayer. Pray it for yourself. You can pray, God, I, I ask that you would empower me God, give me your perspective. Help me to see the things I need to see. Help me to comprehend and understand your love. Help my roots to grow down deep. Fill me with your fullness, God. Like that is a great prayer. But also you can pray it for people. You can pray for the people in your life. You can pray it for people when you don't know how to pray for them. I know this person's going through something. I don't even know where to begin. You can pray this prayer. You can pray it for your pastor. That's a good, good thing to do. Pray for your pastor. Pray this prayer. I, I like this prayer and... It contains what God wants to do, but Paul's praying it because it's what he wants them to experience. He says, I want you to have power. I want you to have perspective with God's people. I, I want you to receive the full provision that God has for you. And within this prayer is one of my all-time favorite verses in the Bible. In fact, if you've ever received a little thank you card from me or a little note from me, or maybe I've given you a book or something and I write my name in it, almost without fail, I will include this verse in there because this verse is so meaningful to me. Not necessarily my life verse, just like, I, I love it. And that's verse 20. I almost quoted it wrong because I'm used to saying, God who will do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you can ask. Or I think this translation says immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. I love that verse because that's the God that I know, that, that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, God is bigger, bigger than your deficiency, bigger than your insecurity, bigger than your anxiety, bigger than your fear, bigger than your depression, 
bigger than what you're facing, whatever you're going through, our God is an exceeding abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine God. God wants you to grow. God wants you to increase. That's the heart of this prayer. So whatever, like when I'm faced with stuff, whatever I think God has done, or even if I'm in something and I feel like God hasn't done it, it's good for me to remember that God isn't done. Because he is able to do more than I can ask, think, or imagine. And so that's like when I pray for you, it's generally what I'm praying in your life. God, do more than they can imagine. Show your goodness, God. I pray that for myself. And when I pray, that's like the part of this prayer that I focus on the most. But as I was praying for you and really praying for this season, that's not the part of this prayer that I focused on. It wasn't verse 20, it was verse 21. And I've like taught sermons on verse 20 multiple times. I've never really focused on verse 21. Let's look at it together. It says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Another translation says, unto him be the glory in the church forever and ever. See, Paul's prayer in Ephesians is telling you what God wants to do. But in verse 21, he tells you why God wants to do it. Like verse 20, the, the verse that I've always focused on, that talks about what God wants to do. That's his promise. But verse 21 is the premise. It's, it's why God will do it. And this is so helpful because I don't know if you've experienced what I've experienced, but sometimes the promise I see in Scripture doesn't always match up with my present situation. Okay, now to, to help you with this, I need to give you a little context because Paul, who's writing this prayer, you got to understand, Paul is the man. Paul is the great apostle. Paul is the guy who has written two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul is arguably next to Jesus, the most prominent figure in the New Testament. Paul has worked miracles. Paul has great faith. Paul is a leader of leaders. Paul has taken the gospel to the known world. Paul is brilliant. Paul is a communicator. Paul is educated. I like Paul. But when Paul, despite his many accolades and accomplishments, when Paul is writing this, he's in prison. See, that's a little confusing to me. Look at verse 1. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, he's not saying that Jesus is his jailer. That's not what he's trying to talk about. He wants them to know, hey, it's not an accident that he's in jail. This is part of the plan. If you know the story, he went to Jerusalem. He was falsely accused, wrongly imprisoned, wasn't set free. He appealed to Caesar, was taken to Rome, was shipwrecked. It's a crazy story to read about it in Acts. Now he's in Rome awaiting trial before Caesar. But while he's waiting, he's boasting about the power of God. And after explaining the situation, he clarifies it again by saying, verse 13, I ask you, therefore, 
Don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. Make no mistake about it, Paul was suffering. This wasn't easy, just going to chill in Rome. He was suffering. He says, but don't be discouraged by this. This doesn't make sense to me. What do you mean, Paul? Here you are praying for my progress, and yet you're the one who's in prison. You got this twisted? I think, Paul, you should be asking me to pray for you. You're the one whose life has been up and to the right up to this point. Everything I see about your life right now is going the wrong direction. Paul, you're moving backwards. You're stuck. You have no way out. And you're praying for me? You're praying for my progress? Aren't you the one who needs to get out of your situation? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because just a few weeks we're going to be celebrating 12 years as a church and Grateful for, great, grateful for what God has done. I've been thinking a lot about progress lately. You know, milestones, you always tend to do that. You kind of look back on your life and see where you're at. It's not wrong to think about progress. And I've read that one of the basic requirements for human happiness is progress. Like, you can't be happy in a sustained way if you're not making progress in your life. This is why, like, the moment I feel like I'm not moving forward, the moment I feel like I've suffered a setback, I want to quit. Anybody else like that? Just me. Okay. Well, this is a great message for me. Uh, <laughs> see, that's why it's hard for any of us to move forward long-term if we don't have some short-term goals along the way, if we're not seeing some small wins and some small successes, because it feels like you're not moving forward when things are always afar off in the distance. Like I've noticed a lot of people are like me in the sense that they don't mind working hard. They just want to know that what they're doing is making a difference. They want to know that what they're doing is actually working, which is one of the great things about being part of the church, by the way, because there is nothing greater you can do with your life than to build the church where lives are being changed, where eternities are being impacted, where family trees are changed. You want to make a difference, you need to be part of the local church. But this is why people will quit their job. I don't see the point. I'm not making... Difference. This is why people will give up on a relationship. We're not moving forward. This is why people will give up on their dream because what's in front of me is so far out there. I'm, how am I ever going to get there? And that's what stuck out to me while I was studying this week because if Paul is praying for the progress of the church while he's in prison, then maybe he knows something about progress that you and I need to see. Because clearly the way Paul thinks about progress is not the way you and I think about progress. Like if progress matters for every person to have a sense of fulfillment, if it matters for you as a coach and it matters for you as a player, if it matters for you as a teacher, and it matters for you as a student, if it matters for you as a parent, and it matters for you as a child, as a wife, as a husband, as a Christian, if progress is so important, 
My question is, how do we make progress? And how do we really know if we're making progress? What, what, what's the essential ingredients? Because I've noticed a lot of people have good intentions. Intentions doesn't always make progress. I notice a lot of people really care, have passion. Passion doesn't always produce progress. I've noticed a lot of people have effort, and effort definitely is essential to progress, but it's not the main thing. How many of you would like to know how to make progress? Okay, I'll tell you a story. I, uh, my, my family and I took a trip this summer. We went out to Seattle, Washington, little family trip. We had some fun things planned. And on this excursion, one of the things we had planned was to hike Mount Rainier. Now, side note, I am not an outdoors person. You laughed a little too hard at that. My wife is not an outdoors person. Like our idea of the outdoors is enjoying it from the balcony of a bougie hotel. That's what we want to do. That's enough outdoors for me. We're not outdoors people, but God in his infinite wisdom has given me one child who is my oldest son, Reese, and was his 17th birthday. And so he, you know, wanted to, we said, what do you want to do? I want to hike Mount Rainier. So we said, all right, we're going to make this a family affair. <laughs> and uh, we, we went to go do it. Now we had a plan. We got there and I'll spare you the details of the rest of my children complaining and belly aching along the way. And your what hurts? I like, I, I won't go into those details, but, but we got there and our, here's our plan. The easy three mile round trip hike, one and a half miles up, one and a half miles back. We'll take some pictures. We'll make some memories. We'll have a good time. We'll go home and order pizza and sit at the hotel. So we, we set out to do this and I grabbed the map and we're on our way and, and, you know, and things are going fine and it's an easy hike and we're headed to this place called Glacier Lake and we get there and uh, we take some photos, have a great time and I pull out the map and I say, Marissa, we can either turn back around and go the way we came or it says we can follow the trail around and it'll be a little bit longer instead of a mile and a half, be like, you know, two and a half, 2.2, two and a half miles and we can go back and she says, you know, feeling good. Like we have conquered this mountain. We are king of the mountain. And I think we can make the longer trek back. So that's what we do. We tried to follow the trail around the longer trek. And of course we had hiked uphill. So now we're going downhill and things are going fine. We're about a half hour into it. And uh, I'm thinking we ought to be coming up on the campsite about now. And, and uh, but you know, like the kids are moving a little slower Pippa's on my shoulders and, you know, that's slowing me down. And we didn't have any water with us because it was just going to be a short, just a short, just a short hike, just a short hike. And uh, so, so we're, so we're going and Grant asks, how, how much longer do we have to go? Just a little bit longer, buddy. So we keep going. We go another half hour and we have not come on the campsite yet. And I do not really recognize any of these signs. And so we keep 
walking for another hour because surely it's just over the horizon. So finally this hiker comes back and he looks like he knows what he's doing. And I stopped and I said, hey, um, we're following this trail and it says if we follow this along, we'll end back at the campsite. Is that right? He says, yes, but you have to go the other way. I said, excuse me? Yeah, you follow the trail, but you're going the wrong direction. You got to go the other way. And we turned a short three-mile hike into a 12-mile hike. <laughs> We're never going to do that again. Never going to go hiking again. We're staying in our hotel. But the point of it is, we had the effort. We worked hard. I had Pippa on my shoulders. I had Grant on my back, carrying Marissa with my arms. It was, <laughs> it was a lot. And we cared, we had passion. Dear God, did we care. We cared very much. We couldn't care more. We had every intention of where we wanted to go, but it is not your effort. It is not your passion. It is not your intention that determines whether or not you make progress. It is your, you're ready for it, your direction. Your direction. You wanna know whether or not you're making progress in your life? that the most basic level is are you headed in the right direction? Because you can be working hard and you can be moving fast only to realize that when you get to where you wanna go, you don't like where you're at. That's why I'm grateful for Paul because Paul gives us a picture of the destination. He, he helps us and he says, hey, this is how you measure progress unto Jesus, unto him be the glory in the church forever and ever. Because the only question you have to answer is, am I moving closer to Jesus? That's the question for you today. Despite what you're going through, despite what things look like, despite what you're doing, are you moving closer to Jesus? Because progress is determined by my destination and my proximity to the destination. Man, if only there was a church that you could tell like just by the name that when you get there, you are going to move towards your destination. Like if there was just a church in this city that somehow you knew that by coming there on Sunday, it is gonna help you move towards what God has for you. That's why I'm glad Paul points us to a new perspective because sometimes what looks like going backwards is actually moving you forwards. That's what happened to Paul. He's in prison, but it's for a purpose. And this is the shift that has to happen to you. It's a shift that can happen. And I'll tell you, your kids can help you with this shift. Your kids will help you the moment that they learn to speak words, the moment they know how to use their words to ruin your life, their kids, they're gonna help you 
because this is the question that they ask for every rule, for every bedtime, for every curfew, for every decision that you make, and that question is why? Let's just say it so we're all on the same page, one, two, three, why? And I'll tell you, if you're a parent, you need to invoke that parental privilege that starts with because and ends with I said so. There is no greater feeling because this is not a negotiation. I am not trying to use logic in this argument. I don't have to convince you simply because I am your father. That is enough. So go clean your room because I said so. Of course, that stops when we become adults. We never, ever ask God why about anything. It's only children who do that. But this shift you got to make is the shift that Paul is pointing out that life is less about what and more about why. Because the what looks like a setback. The why tells me this is a setup. And I like this because Paul's faith didn't change his what. Like Paul... The apostle, the great man of faith, who's seen miracles, worked miracles, seen God move, his faith didn't change his what? Changed his why. What happened? He's a prisoner. He's in a cell. He's locked up. He's in chains. Why did it happen? For your sake. God wanted to use it. What I love about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will always help me understand the why behind the what. In fact, Paul would later write in a letter to the Corinthian church, he said, but God has given us his spirit. This is why we don't think the same way that the people of the world think. They're focused on what's happening. No. Holy Spirit, let me know why. This is also why we can recognize the blessings God has given us. Here's the secret. You can survive any what with a good enough why. The reason people quit when they're met with a disappointment, the reason people quit when they suffer a serious setback is because they didn't have a strong enough why when they started. The reason Paul wasn't confused when he was stuck in prison and stuck in chains is because he had determined his purpose before he was ever put in that prison cell. You need a why. And here's the truth. You don't need to find a new why. You don't need God to give you a why. He has already given you a why. It's in this prayer. It is to glorify him. God, why did this happen? Here's what God says. Here's the why. Is that you are here for my glory. I put you on this earth to glorify me. So whatever happens to you, you already know the why before you ever see the what. What's my why? I'm here to glorify God. What's my why? I'm here for his purpose. So you can disrupt my life. 
but you can't take my why. You can interrupt my plans, but you can't take my why. You can mess up my intentions, but you can't take my why. My why is my why. My life has a larger meaning. I'm here to glorify God. I know my purpose. You can do your best, but you cannot take my why. And there is no what in the world that can change my why. You got to get that in your spirit because you can't change every situation that you go into. But you can change what you choose to focus on. And I've decided, and for this season, what I want you to focus on, what I want you to think is that regardless of what I am going through, my focus is ever unto Jesus. I am moving in that direction. It takes a special kind of faith to see God's purpose in the prison cell. It takes a special kind of faith that can still look forward when you suffer a setback. And our problem is that we think the moment something's hard, that God must not be in it. Tell you what, I'm glad Jesus didn't use that logic. He never would have gone to the cross. I don't know if you know this, but when he was betrayed, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, God, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. I'd rather not do this. I know what's in front of me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Jesus didn't get to the cross with that logic. You're not going to get to your destiny either if you think everything has to be easy and just work out right. So I know your job didn't turn out like you thought. I know you didn't expect that that relationship would still hurt you. I know you thought that the hurt would be over by now, that you'd be over that wound. But you can't go into this week focusing on what? If you do, you will stay stuck. You will stay depressed. You will miss God's purpose. Because life isn't really about what has happened to you. It's about how God wants to use you. And what I want to show you is that before Paul ever prays for their progress, he doesn't spend the previous 13 verses explaining everything that's happened. I won't take time to read it. You can read it for yourself. But he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. And then he shifts. What he doesn't say is, well, I, I went to Jerusalem and there's people that didn't like me there. They lied about me. They spread some rumors, wasn't true. They got me arrested. I was wrongly accused. I could have walked out, but I had to prove a point. I said, I'm a Roman citizen. And then they got scared. But because I appealed to Caesar, then I had to go to Rome. And now, you know, I'm waiting here in Rome. And you know how the government is. Everything's backed up. So it's going to be a while. So I'm locked up in it. He doesn't do any of that. What he says is, I, Paul, prisoner of Jesus Christ, and he starts telling them why. Again, I won't read it all. You can read it for yourself. But he says in verse 10, it was his intent that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In verse 13, he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And it's for this reason 
that I can pray for your progress. And he ends this prayer talking about the one thing that you and I need to remember as God performs his promise in your life. It's in verse 21. Unto him be the glory in the church forever and ever. It's not what you're going through that matters. It's how you're going through it. It's not what you're doing that matters. It's how you do it. And if you will lock into the mindset that regardless of what I'm facing, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of what's in front of me, it is an opportunity to move me closer to Jesus because I have made up my mind. It is ever unto Jesus that despite how things look, I am here for God's glory. I know my why. I know my purpose. I know what God wants to do. It doesn't have to be easy for it to be good. It doesn't have to be pleasant for God to use it. It it doesn't have to look like what I wanted or what I expect. That job that didn't go the way I want, well, God wants to use me to show the world what a Christian looks like when they're handling a situation with integrity. That relationship that betrayed me, that relationship that hurt me, God wants to use me to show the world how a Christian can respond with love when they're cursed. That, that person that used me, that abused me, God wants me to show the world what forgiveness looks like. That situation that didn't turn out like I wanted, God wants to use me to show the world what a person of faith, how they respond because they know that their God is faithful. It's ever unto Jesus. That's the mission this season. What I love about this, let me just point this out to you. This verse says, unto him be the glory. What's that last part? In the church. In other words, I'd be remiss not to point out to you that the context of God's purpose is found in church. You being in and around and involved in what Jesus gave his life for. We can't expect to have out of the church what God said is in the church. Get this, I I love technology. I'm glad for everybody's watching online and all of that stuff, but Jesus didn't come to build YouTube subscribers and Instagram followers. Came to build his church. And when it comes to worship and prayer, and receiving God's word, you better make sure you do not neglect the gathering. You do not neglect the assembling. You do not neglect the coming together. It's a reminder, wanna make progress, that when you cannot get anything else in your life moving, get church moving, get to church. It is the bedrock of God's purpose in your life. You feel like nothing else is going the right direction, get to church because you'll start moving the right direction. You feel like nothing else is going your way, get to church so you can get headed the right way. God uses his church for his purpose in your life. And that's my prayer for you. You take a step, no matter where you're at, you take a step, be a part of 